Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rucker Report. I'm your humble host, J.D. Rucker. Uh, this is brought to you on the GK Podcast Network, GatekeepersOnline.com, where I've been blessed to become a part of this wonderful family of, of, of faithful, uh, honest conservatives who are just wanting to, to spread the word about everything. Um, unfortunately, that everything right now is one thing, the coronavirus. And so for this being episode two, I am unfortunately going to be talking about it again. But hopefully this will be a, a uh, variation or at least an angle that you haven't heard much about lately. And, and when I say hopefully, I, I actually hope that you have. I hope that you become aware of it because it is important to me. It is even more important than the two primary things that the news and talking heads and mainstream media have been talking about, namely uh, the effects of the coronavirus as a disease, you know, the, the spread, the rapid, rapid outbreaking of, of this disease across the United States, around the world, especially in places like New York, here in California, where I am, Washington, you know, Minnesota, or Michigan, I think it was actually, Michigan, that's, that's had it <clears throat> pretty bad lately, um, and it's killing people. You know, now granted, most of those people that are dying are either older or have pre-existing health conditions or both. But still, you know, it's it's killing young, healthy people as well. Um, just not nearly as many of them. So, so this is a, a real concern, and it's understandable that people would be uh, scared. It's understandable that people would be taking precautions and that the news would be covering it. The second obvious, you know, call it the eight thousand pound uh, elephant in the room, is the. Uh, the economic impact of this disease. It is tremendous. We've never seen anything like it. Thank the Lord the economy was strong just prior to this hitting because if it wasn't, if we were already in the midst of a downturn or a, a recession, you know, uh, things could have been extraordinarily bad, even worse than they are today. And they are bad now. I mean, millions of people are out of work. Businesses are shuttered. Some of them are going to be closing down. Some of them will not return even after the coronavirus scare is over. And so... So there is a lot of economic turmoil, and that is rightly being covered by the mainstream media. What's not being covered nearly as much is what I consider to be a much bigger threat than anything we're facing from the disease itself or the economic turmoil. Those things are going to pass, okay? And I'll cover that shortly. But what will not pass if we don't stop it very soon is the rising authoritarianism across the country. You know, thank God, uh, with President Trump, we he's pushing against it you know it's it's funny that he was came into office and so many people were saying that he was going to be this tyrant this fascist this authoritarian dictator and he was just proven that he's the exact opposite in many ways he just doesn't want government to get involved with very much at all he's trying to cut bureaucracy uh cut red tape make things easier get government out of the way at least the federal government so from that perspective he's remained consistent in that regard as much as he can uh, as far as the coronavirus is concerned. So that's great. But unfortunately, at other levels of government, local cities, um, local areas, communities, cities, counties, states, there are plenty of people who are pushing authoritarian ideas. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how to fight it. Let me reduce my 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 face from the screen. Let's Let's first look at the GK Podcast Network. This is this is the home of this video and other videos, other podcasts, other other people. Um, Jeff Dornick, you know Sam Jones, 
You got Dustin Faulkner. That was a great interview with Jerry Wayne the other day that, that really needs uh, much more attention because Jerry Wayne, I think he needs more attention. Yes, he's known as the, the Joe Biden union guy that that uh, was defending the Second Amendment, but I think there's more to him. We'll see. We will see. We'll learn more about him in the near future. But anyway, yeah, go to visit gatekeepersonline.com and see the latest the latest in, in good old-fashioned talk. Great podcasts on this channel. I love it. Um, and then there's my site, knockreport, noqreport.com. And we'll be talking a lot about that today because, obviously, as a as a news outlet, we have been covering the coronavirus quite thoroughly. We'll be talking about the authoritarian aspect of it here shortly. But first, let's talk about this article posted yesterday by Dr. Ted Noel, uh, one of our one of our esteemed writers, who is uh, he knows what he's talking about. He he says you have to ask the right question about the coronavirus, and he is absolutely correct. We aren't asking the right questions. In many ways, not just Americans, but politicians, business leaders, it's ready, fire, aim, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's it's not, uh, we're not doing things in the correct order. We are reacting, and there is a, a big, gigantic rush to get stuff done. Unfortunately, a lot of stuff that's happening isn't the right stuff, you know? I'll talk about examples of that later, but I want to want to get down to a paragraph that really really encompasses what what Dr. Ted Noel was saying. He says, "If we ask the right questions, we'll find the horrid economic effects of futile lockdowns and business closures are neither necessary nor effective." As South Korea found, people with Wuhan flu need to be isolated, and people who are already sick need to protect themselves from Wuhan flu. It's about taking care of yourself. That's called personal responsibility. And that is, I mean, at the end of the day, that's America. That's that's what we were built on. That's what we espouse as conservatives and patriots. You know, taking personal responsibility. There's going to be idiots in this world, okay, period. There's going to be the, the guys going on Periscope and licking licking bottles of hand sanitizer and putting them back on shelves at stores. There's going to be, you know, the, the kid down in Florida who's like, oh, yeah, man, I've been planning this trip for two or three months. It's, yeah, you know, if I get the coronavirus, so be it, man, but I'm here to party. Uh, yes, terrible accent. He, he didn't sound anything like that. But um, he did say those words. Now, keep in mind, he, he has come out lately, and he's actually apologized for it. I, I didn't see that myself. I saw it on Twitter, so you know what they say about what you see on Twitter. It may or may not uh, be real. It probably isn't, but at least that one sounded pretty credible. I think he did actually, uh, he did apologize. Good for him. Um, damage done. So, yeah, we need to start asking the right questions, and one of those questions we need to ask is, are the things that we're doing, you know, what we're doing as uh, individuals, as communities, as a nation. Are we doing what's actually necessary to stop this coronavirus from spreading to you know, uh, a, a, an unfortunate number of people? I, I would say that right now it's already pretty bad, especially in places like New York. But can we take it too far? And can we make it to where the, the remedy is actually worse than the ailment itself? We will see. Time will tell. Let's move on to this. This is a, a good friend, Mindy Robinson, running for running for uh, Congress in Nevada, and uh, she 
She tweeted out, I would gladly quarantine myself to save the sick and elderly. Wholeheartedly agree with that. But I'm watching the Dems abusively use this situation to make themselves richer while stripping us of our rights and watching hardworking people lose their livelihoods. Something doesn't feel right about all this. She's on to something there. Now, I wouldn't say, I don't agree that Democrats are trying to make themselves richer as a result of this. That's, you know, are there some? Sure. I mean, there's Republicans, too, that are doing that. There's there's all kinds of people that see the coronavirus as an opportunity, whether it's to drive down the stock market so they can write it right back up to the top again, you know, in, in a few months, years, uh, whether it's taking advantage, you know, you got people out there that are trying to sell hand sanitizer on eBay or whatever. Yes, there's going to be people that will exploit this for money. But I think the bigger challenge, especially when it comes to Democrats, the Democratic politicians, is exploiting this in a way that gives them more power. And I'm not talking about just them as individuals. I'm talking about them as in, you know, the, the quote-unquote ruling class, consolidating government, uh, consolidating government control, and perhaps most importantly, making us dependent on government, making as many people beholden to government as possible. That, I think, is <coughs> really more of the end game. That's what's being exploited here. As I cough, gosh, I should get tested. No, I'm fine. I've been isolated. <laughs> Fear not. Uh, there will be an episode three, Lord willing. Um, but an example of this, the example of this, what I consider to be the Democrats, attempt to use this came in a very I'm gonna to have to play this because this was this was uh, in many ways it was hilarious I hate to admit it if you're watching this you are going to be blessed with a very funny show if you're hearing it um, you're just gonna hear some shrill shrill remarks from uh, from our favorite congresswoman from New York Alexandria Casio Cortez when she was uh, discussing fighting the uh, the coronavirus relief bill the uh, she was talking about how it was going to to really affect. Let's just let's just play it so you can hear her for yourself. Hopefully you can hear this. I represent one of the hardest hit communities in the hardest hit city in this country, Queens, New York. Thirteen dead in a night in Elmhurst Hospital alone. Our community's reality is this country's future if we don't do anything. Hospital workers do not have protective equipment. We don't have the necessary ventilators. And But we have to go into this vote eyes wide open. What did the Senate majority fight for? One of the largest corporate bailouts with as few strings as possible in American history. Shameful. The greed of that fight is wrong for crumbs, for our families. And the option that we have is to either let them suffer with nothing or to allow this greed and billions of dollars which will be leveraged into trillions of dollars to contribute to the largest income inequality gap in our future. Ah, there let's listen to that part again. Income inequality gap in our future. There's there the key phrase. To contribute to the largest income inequality gap in our future. There should be shame about what was fought for in this bill and the choices that we have to make. Dum dum dum. Yes. So, <clears throat> break this down briefly because it really is nonsense. Essentially, what the congresswoman is saying is that because there is a corporate portion of the bailout, you know, we were talking, I, believe, I haven't seen the latest numbers, but I think it was somewhere in the half a trillion dollar range of corporate loans, bailouts, money that's going to go to businesses, large and small. 
Um, so it will be loans. Others will be actually just essentially, you know, called loans, but they'll never be paid back. Uh, what they do, though, is they do two important things, one good, one bad. The good thing is this helps them stay alive. And in many ways, you know, it's sad when we have people like AOC out there bad-mouthing that aspect of it because, let's face it, it's not... I mean, this isn't like, like, oh, thank you for the bailout. Now let me go buy myself another jet. No, in many cases, I would say the vast majority of cases, um, this is what's going to allow people to have jobs when the coronavirus dust settles. Now, that's not all of them. There's going to be businesses, corporations that don't need to take advantage of it. There's going to be businesses and corporations that maybe needed and squandered and people still lose their jobs. There's going to be, this isn't going to be universally good. I would, I'd be happy if 50% of it was good, but if 50% of it is good, that means that there are literally millions of Americans who get to keep their jobs uh, when everything is said and done. So, so no, this isn't contributing to income inequality gap. Okay. Sorry, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, but on the surface, it can, you know, it can seem like that. It's like, why are we giving money to these rich people, you know, these these billionaires, these big businesses? Why are they getting the money? Why is the money coming directly to us? The answer is because if the money goes directly to people and they lose their job, guess what happens? That money will keep having to go directly to people and directly to people and directly to people. People will become beholden to government. They will become dependent on it, which is the goal for a lot of these people, especially people, democratic socialists like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She does it picture an America in which, in which the government essentially owns everything. And we are subjects. I mean, there's no other way to put it. You can, you can fluff it up the way that they, they like to say that it's, oh, it's, you know, it's about uh, income equality and all this other stuff. Well, guess what? That, that income equality means, yeah, we'll be equally poor and destitute and beholden to government. But it isn't even people like that. They're not the ones that worry me the most. It's, you know, what AOC does, she doesn't have, <coughs> she and her Justice Democrats, uh, they do not have the pull just yet to be able to, to get their radical ideas, uh, turn them into law. And even if they did, they, they don't have Bernie Sanders uh, as their president to would actually potentially sign them into law. So we're not there yet. That's a fight for 2024, 2028. You know, eventually we are going to have to shut it down. We're going to have to stop this leftward lurch of the Democratic Party. And to do that, we're going to have to face head-to-head one-on-one an actual Democratic Socialist. It won't be Bernie Sanders. He's going to be in his 80s by the time the next election comes around. And I don't want to say it won't be. I guess it technically could be, but... Yeah more likely it's going to be some new new Bernie. You know, the, the new, improved, better Bernie is going to come around. Maybe it'll be AOC. I think she might actually be old enough to to run for president come 20, uh, 2024. We'll see. She'll be 34, I think, at that point. So she'll be a year off, but she'll still be able to, I don't know. how. The, I think she could actually run as long as She's 35 before Inauguration Day. Um, some constitutional scholar can reach out to me and tell me that I am wrong. Uh, or right, yeah, if I'm right. So there's that. The thing that scares me more, though, than people like AOC is is uh, it's mayors, it's governors, it's uh, people, state legislators, people at lower levels, you know, city councils. These are the people that can start and will start, and in many cases have started, issuing authoritarian mandates on the people. 
I tweeted earlier, was it last night? Yeah, late last night. Uh, the scariest thing about the coronavirus isn't the disease itself. Most can be responsible and stay safe, and, and I do believe that. I think that, that the vast majority of Americans can and will and do practice social distancing. They're staying home. They're, they're doing what they can. The, catching the coronavirus is the least of their concerns right now, yeah, and there are many. Uh, economy is is probably their bigger concern, but but that's not even the biggest fear either. Because over time we will recover. You know that's going to happen. Um, if it doesn't, then and we do sink, then there's I mean there's there's really whatever the virus does is um, will be child's play compared to uh, America as an economic um, being demonstrating economic weakness I guess is the best way to put it because we are we have the world reserve currency and we also have the the world's debt and if the only thing that's holding back the quote-unquote wolves is the fact that because we are economically strong we can kind of do whatever we want I hate to say it you know I hate to put it like that but other countries can't challenge us but if we are weakened more so than other countries as a result of the coronavirus then there will be a collapse that's felt worldwide. And if there is a collapse felt worldwide, somebody's going to have to fill the void. And it, chances are it won't be us. It uh, Could it be China? Sure. I think they're already setting that up with their fake numbers, pretending like nobody's getting sick over there anymore. Um, I'll talk about that at a different show. That Don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> no, the, the scariest thing is authoritarianism at every level of government. Again, I mentioned that the federal government is doing pretty well and not imposing it, but they will, you know, there's going to be a, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, a coronavirus or a, a pandemic protection act of 2021 or even 2020, you know, something that basically says, you know, never again, we are never going to have to face anything like this again, because we're going to be prepared. We're going to have ventilators on every corner and, and testing is going to be, you know, we're going to open up a pandemic world workshop and globalize it and you know, whatever. There's going to be a lot of turmoil that comes from that eventually. But right now, so far, the federal government has been the least of our concerns. What's a bigger concern? Local governments, state governments, city governments. They have been, many of them, not all of them, but many of them have been, frankly, overreacting. And uh, that's going to turn into some crazy things. You look at, over at New Jersey, Phil Murphy, governor of New Jersey, basically made it impossible to buy guns there right now. Um, other states are following suit. You know, it's, I mean, I get it, but... But why? Why would you take away our right to self-defense? Why would you make it harder for us to get guns when that doesn't really affect the, the criminals? It's that's also a topic for another day. Uh, let's let's cut to this. This is um. I said that I was going to skip it, but but uh, I'm not. I do want to go ahead and, and bring this up because the numbers coming out of China, they're ridiculous. They're wrong. They are lies flat-out lies. I, there's no other way to put it. You know, they're claiming that there were no new domestic domestic uh, infections and only four total new infections, and all four of them came from from foreign contamination, you know, including one from the United States. That's, that's the storyline from the Chinese Communist Party right now. Um, that is a lie, you know. Um, and unfortunately, American mainstream media, instead of seeking the truth, they're echoing the lie from the Chinese Communist Party. Here is uh, Scott Gottlieb, MD, a doctor, so apparently he knows what he's talking about, except 
in this case where he doesn't. <laughs> in China, no province outside of Hubei ever had more than 1,500 confirmed cases of COVID-19. In America, there are now 15 states with more than 1,500 diagnosed cases of COVID-19. <sighs> Dr. Gottlieb, I am sorry to be the one to inform you of this, but the numbers coming out of China are a lie. Um, after years, you know, let's, let's look at, there's an interesting fact, I don't have the, the article called up, I wasn't going to talk about it, but, but we should. There was an article last week that noted, uh, basically, for those who aren't familiar, China <clears throat> is dependent on smartphones, on mobile phones, mobile devices. Everybody has them. They have to, because without them, that's how they have access to their social security. That's how they have access to their bank accounts. That's how the, you cannot board a train without the right app. You cannot go anywhere without the right app. There are places in China where you cannot get toilet paper. I am not kidding. You have to use your mobile phone in order to get toilet paper out of a public dispenser at a, at a public restroom. Uh, they have the dispensers outside the doors in public restrooms. And you have to you have to scan your face because it's it's still attached to your mobile mobile device, but you either have to scan your face or scan your mobile device or both, and then it gives you the allotted amounts. You know, you get four squares and, and consider yourself lucky. You know, whatever. Um, they need their mobile devices, right? And for years, the number of mobile devices in use have gone up. They always go up. You know, they go up quite rapidly. You know, by the by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, every single quarter. Except this quarter. Strangely, oddly, at a time when people need their money, when they need their phones in order to get to where they need to go just to get food, okay? To be able to, to survive, to go to school. You know, right now with, with schools closed in much of China, they're doing teleschool. And that's done through their phones. Keep in mind that they don't use computers nearly as much as we do. You know, they, their devices are mobile, and that's where pretty much all of their online um, and real-life activity happens is through their mobile devices. But this is the first time in forever that the number of mobile users dropped. And we're not talking about a small drop. We're talking about 21 million people, users, dropped as of last month compared to three months prior. Hasn't happened since 2010. What does that tell us? Does it mean that, that people are less reliant on phones? No, 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 no. They are more reliant today than they were before. But it does tell us that certain things are happening that pertain to the coronavirus. And one of those things is that more people are dying than are being reported because more people are sick than are being reported. You know, there was a... Uh, a report it came out two days ago, but the Daily Wire picked it up, I believe it was last night, that showed that in one funeral home alone, they received 5,000 urns, full urns, uh, for burial. Keep in mind, that's more than allegedly have died, period, from the coronavirus in China as a, as a nation. And yet one funeral home had received 5,000 of them in one shipment. I don't know how many people have died. I, you know, pray for China. I know they might be our enemy, but they are, they are hurting. Not only do they have to deal with 
with the coronavirus. Not only do they have to deal with poverty and authoritarianism and the Chinese Communist Party, but they have to deal with lies. And, uh, you know, the Chinese people are not to blame. The Chinese Communist Party, absolutely. Blame them. They deserve it. And uh, we should stop doing business with them altogether. And there should be a revolution and all this other stuff. And I'm sure that at this point, YouTube is probably probably uh, picking me up on the algorithm and uh, telling the CCP and, and this video will be blocked. But uh, we'll see. Anyway, uh, yes, Dr. Gottlieb, don't, don't trust the Chinese Communist Party. They're lying. Uh, moving on, who else do we not like? Bruce Elward. This is an interesting video. Um, this gentleman is an advisor to the executive board for the World Health Organization. He is a part of the WHO. And um, I'm not going to play this one. I'm just going to describe it. I do encourage you to, to go to noqreport.com, knockreport.com, and find this story about him because it's crazy. Uh, long story short, the World Health Organization, who is essentially controlled by the Chinese Communist Party, um, not the not the doctors per se, but the executives, you know, the the mouthpieces, the people that are making the decisions for for the World Health Organization are essentially owned by the Chinese Communist Party. That's um, again, man, I got a lot of episodes building up that I need to cover in the future. This is definitely one of them. Uh, but long story short, is he was asked by a journalist, and they were doing a Skype call uh, interview. And he, she asked him about the uh, about trying to include Taiwan in the World Health Organization. Taiwan is not considered to be a nation, at least by the World Health Organization. They consider themselves to be a nation. We consider them to be a nation. Um, but China, and the Chinese Communist Party, considers them to be part of China, and therefore so does the World Health Organization. Um, but it got so bad, not because of what he said, but because of what he didn't say. At first, he pretended not to hear the question. And then when she, there was an uncomfortable silence, the journalist asked, asked him, uh, sir, do you, he's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the, hear the question. And she said, okay, well, well, I'll repeat it. He said, you know what, don't repeat it, just move on to the next question. What? Wait, I thought she didn't hear the question, why do you want to move on? And she said, well, you know, I would really like to learn more about China. And he hung up on her, <laughs> right there. You see, I mean, in the video, you get to see him just reach over and, and doo -doo, you know, the, the Skype hang-up uh, tone. Long story short, they they control the World Health Organization. They control who? So why is it that we're listening to them? Why is it that Google and YouTube and even Facebook, I believe, they're telling us to listen to the World Health Organization regarding COVID-19? You know, the World Health Organization came up with the name COVID-19. And they <clears throat> transparently stated, look, we don't want there to be a stigma about China. So, uh... So let's call it COVID-19, whatever that means. They've never done that before, okay? I mean, uh, MERS was the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. They called it MERS because it was a respiratory syndrome that started in the Middle East, okay? Lyme disease started in Lyme. <laughs> Connecticut, Vermont, someplace out, in, out, in, out east. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, it's there is a naming protocol. What is the disease and where where did it start? This should be called... The Wuhan coronavirus, or as Dr. Ted Noel, my writer, calls it, the Wuhan flu, or the Wuhan virus, or even the Chinese coronavirus, something to that effect, because that is that is the, the proper naming protocol. There's nothing racist about it. It's not an attack on the Chinese people to call it what it is and where it's from. 
Instead, we're stuck with COVID-19. And if you were to ask anybody what the heck COVID-19 even means, nobody knows. You know, I'm sure there's a scientific, uh, I'm sure it's an acronym for something, but who cares? Nobody knows what it means. And it's, uh, sorry, <laughs> I feel like Joe Biden backing up and saying, no, 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 let's move on. Yeah, let's just move on. Let's go to Jesse Kelly, one of my favorite uh, radio hosts, talk show hosts. He's now on uh, on the the first um, new TV channel that I'll be talking about someday. Uh, been on it a couple times. They uh, they seem to, to have a good good grasp of what they're doing. But his tweet was pro tip: Land of the free in quotes doesn't mean hot dogs, baseball, and fireworks. It means freedom from government control. If you're fine with any politician ordering you to stay in your home, you've lost what it means to be American and what makes this country great. And he's absolutely right. Now, again, there's a difference between what he's saying, you know, or what, what politicians are saying and what, what government is saying and what local, local quote-unquote leaders are saying as far as, you know, stay home, stay, stay safe, don't spread the disease any more than it needs to be, wash your hands, don't touch your face, all that good stuff. Um, that's important. I, I'm not saying that we oppose that, but mandates. That's concerning because, again, not only does it affect the economy, not only is it does it uh, impose um, as a blanket imposition on people when that might not necessarily need to be the case. Um, more importantly, it does open the doors to authoritarianism. Right now, there's a big test. We're failing. You know, not just we as a people, but we as a as our leaders are failing because they are they are trying to see how we react to being told you can't go here, you can't do this, you can't travel, stay at home, you know, yada yada yada, do this or else. You know, there's a difference between saying do this because it's right and saying do this or else. And right now, a lot of people are saying do this or else, and that's that's not a good thing. That's not very American at all. Changing gears to something that has never happened before and probably won't happen again. I agree with Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, but just a little bit, and just on one little thing. Right now, you know, um, President Trump had talked about maybe imposing a quarantine on New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, uh, restricting travel. You know, basically, the, this is the the center, the epicenter. Eh, I, better way to put it is this is where the outbreak is most known and most concentrated is in this, this tri-state area new york new jersey and connecticut where a lot a lot of people are being affected by this coronavirus they've been infected not just affected they've been infected um, but is it really a lot yeah that's the question is it really a lot so so far um keep in mind new york has 20 million people living in it and about 55,000 people are known to have been infected. That sounds like a lot, right? But we're still talking about less than uh, 0.3%. So about three out of every thousand people are infected. Again, I'm not downplaying that. I'm not saying that that's not a significant number of people. I'm just saying that is that really worth um, is that really worth quarantining an entire state or an entire tri-state area? Uh, President Trump didn't think so. You know, after talking about it, uh, thinking about it, talking it over with with the states themselves, talking it over with his, his advisors, he came to the conclusion that no, we're not going to to quarantine them. We're just going to issue a 
travel advisory, which is good. Hey, that's good. Okay, travel advisory, not authoritarian. Travel advisory is, guys, we don't think you should do this. We're not going to do anything to necessarily stop you, but just know that we are, we are strongly opposed to this. You know, a strongly worded opposition. That's fine. Okay, give me 50 of those. We'll take them and read them, and some we'll listen to, some we won't. But when you start mandating that New Yorkers can't travel, that's where you get into trouble. That's where you get into authoritarianism, and that's where we get into un-Americanism. Easiest way to put it. Rhode Island is has deployed the National Guard. Why? What are they doing? They're going door to door. Why? To look for New Yorkers. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but it happened. It's happening. This isn't something that's been been discussed. They're actually doing it. They're stopping everyone with a New York license trying to enter Rhode Island and imposing a mandatory 14-day quarantine on those people. They are also going door-to-door saying, Ah, do you have any New Yorkers in your house? May we come certain? No, they're not searching, but they are asking. They're going from door-to-door-to-door knocking on them and asking, do you have any travelers from out of state? Are they from New York? They must be quarantined. I I thank God I have not experienced this myself. Um, I don't think I would be very happy. And not with the National Guard. I mean, they're just doing what they're they're being told. They're, They're doing as instructed. But I definitely wouldn't be happy with the governor of Rhode Island. And Andrew Cuomo is not either. He is furious. And rightly so, in my opinion. Yes, he's a radical progressive Democrat, but yeah, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So uh, in this case, he's right. And um, it is ridiculous that there is this this uh, unhinged response. Is New York in trouble? Absolutely. New Jersey, Connecticut, very dangerous. You know, they should they should be be willingly and. Uh, and proactively staying indoors, staying away from non-essential work. Should the place be closed down? I don't think so. You know, I think that it does come down to the individuals. We need to be smart. We need to be be uh, do it the proper way. Now, some will argue, you know what, as long as it's temporary, it's okay. Okay, fine. I, I agree that maybe in that situation, in those those extreme cases, that, that maybe there does need to be a lockdown. But... Only if it's guaranteed to be for a short period of time. Otherwise, no, I don't want them. Because they, they don't go away quickly. And what's left, the remnant of them, is often more dangerous than what originally happened. Okay? Look back at 9-11. When the terrorists took down the World Trade Centers. When they attacked the Pentagon. When Flight 93 crashed. You know, thousands of Americans died. It was horrible. We persevered as a nation, except that we picked up the Patriot Act for years, and we picked up wars in Iran and Afghanistan, which technically, I mean, Iran, sorry, Iraq, almost made a sound like an AOC mistake. Uh, We picked up a war in Iraq. Maybe it was a John Bolton mistake. Anyway, uh, picked up a war in, in Iraq. And uh, we're still technically, uh, President Trump's trying to pull us out, but we're still in Afghanistan as we speak. Why? I don't know. Because terrorists 
flew planes into a building almost 20 years ago. That's why, and that's that's ridiculous. Well, guess what? Those those remnants, those carryovers uh, from tragedy, are going to be even worse with COVID-19, the coronavirus, the Wuhan uh, Chinese coronavirus flu, whatever you want to call it. Things are going to get worse. This is author authoritarianism on steroids, and what we're seeing here is an example of this. It's um, it's a concern that we need to address, and, and thankfully we do have a way to be able to address it. But first, I want to talk about a show that I listened to earlier, again on the GK Podcast Network. Um, we had Pastor Sam Jones on on conversations with Jeff, Jeff Dornick, and he discussed. Oh, you guessed it, the, the coronavirus, and actually the response to the coronavirus. Very similar, uh, very inspiring to what we're talking about today. Um, I tried not to steal any of their thunder or what they were talking about, but man, it was good. And um, and so I strongly recommend listening to that. They, they were talking about you know uh, when governments shut down churches. And, um, and Pastor Sam Jones, his church is being told he can't gather. You know, and I'm not going to spoil it. you got to listen to the show to see his recourse, but uh, but it, it's it's interesting stuff. Let me skip that one for now. We'll come back to that, uh, time permitting. Um, similar note to uh, to what, what Jeff and, and Pastor Sam were talking about earlier. An article that actually got me so riled up over the weekend that I had to take my day off and write about it. Uh, quote-unquote journalists blaming evangelicals for coronavirus woes is modern leftism in a nutshell. Uh, let's go to the the visual. This was the original headline. Uh, it says the, this is on, in New York Times. <laughs> yes, that New York Times. The road to coronavirus hell was paved by evangelicals. You know, ooh. Uh, the headline was changed to the religious rights hostility to science is crippling our coronavirus response. Now keep in mind, the author, uh, uh, Catherine Stewart, wrote a book titled The Power Worshippers Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism. We're talking about authoritarianism here, but there's another concern um, that we have to address, and that is you know, basically turning the faith, turning the Judeo-Christian faith, uh, turning evangelicals into the bad guys. This is not this is not unique to the coronavirus. This has been happening um, very much so for decades. You know, and uh, it's been ramped up over the past few years, and very recently it's been wrapped up to the to a its highest point yet, where essentially people who are who are very annoyed. By the faith have become militant. It's no longer that they just, you know what, they're going to be atheists or whatever, and they're going to do their thing. It's, it's beyond that now. Now, they're not just doing their thing. They're wanting to make sure that nobody does their thing, including us. Um, so blaming us for anything <laughs> and everything, including the coronavirus. In reality, what they're saying is in, the, in, in her article, she's talking about how the president is anti-science and that his response to the coronavirus has been driven by evangelicals like Alex Azar and, uh, and Ben Carson, um, and that makes it bad. Look, just because they're evangelicals doesn't mean that their advice is bad. You know, Dr. Ben Carson is a doctor. You know, I mean, he's, he's a, he was a neurosurgeon. He's, he does believe in science. You know, he didn't just, just go out there and, and uh, start cutting into people's brains and, 
pray, oh, Lord, please guide my hands. You know, he did pray, I'm sure. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but he had training. He had science. You know, he knew what he was doing. And he knows what he's doing now. And the president knows what he's doing with the response to the coronavirus. It's not some, oh my gosh, those those darn evangelical hillbillies are gonna gonna make the president do something dumb. You know, that's what uh, that's what a lot of these people think of us. Okay, a lot of the a lot of the left look at us as just evangelical hillbillies. We got our guns, we've got our Bible, and uh, and so we have no intellect, we have no understanding of of the world. We're just ruining ruining it for the rest of them. You know. Don't get me started. Yeah, keep in mind these are the people. <laughs> these are the people who uh, who claim claim scientifically speaking that there are there isn't just men or women. You know, there's all these various genders and sexes and whatever. You know, um, I don't know if there's anything more anti-science than denying biology, <laughs> denying that a man is, you know, a man, or that a woman is. Uh, a woman so so be it oh the people's grab a drink and put up this this great tweet by uh, Jeremy boring now those of you who don't know Jeremy probably know his partner Ben Shapiro Jeremy is the co-founder the non Shapiro in the the group that uh, formed founded uh, the Daily Wire and he in response to Alex Borenson uh, Alex Borenson was saying, uh, one forecast I'm sure of, scientists will be trying to sort out the truth about COVID-19, how many died, how how it spread, what worked to stop it for years. And even then, people will fight over the facts, because somehow this illness has become as politicized as everything else. Yes, of course it's politicized, because this is America in 2020, everything gets politicized. Okay, sneakers get politicized. Okay. Um, and of course this will be too, but Jeremy's response, how do you not politicize an unprecedented in modern history, closing of the economy and stripping away of human liberties based on limited data, 4 million unemployed in less than 10 days, plus tens of millions restricted, plus massive increase in government dependence equals political. And he's absolutely right. Um, it has been politicized. It needs to be politicized, and we need to, as conservatives, as patriots, as Americans, we need to fight against the political Armageddon. That's the only other way to put it. The political Armageddon that is on its way. One more tweet before we get into the final story of the day. Uh, buddy, George Papadopoulos. Uh, are unfamiliar with with George? He uh, he was part of the Trump campaign in 2015. Got arrested. Was attacked by the deep state um, for stuff that really didn't deserve jail time. But he did spend it wasn't much. I think he spent 14 days or 10 days or something like that. But still, you know, just the sheer fact that that he is now a felon is is a joke. It's ridiculous because what he quote unquote did didn't match anything that, that I think patriotic Americans would consider to be a crime, but but whatever. George says, to recap the activities of the mayors and governors of the three largest cities over the last two days, Chicago wants to arrest you for jogging. L.A. wants to monitor your movements via your phone. New York 
has been lying about ventilators in stock that people desperately need. This is big government, and he's just like everybody else that I've talked about today. He is absolutely right. You know, for those who are unfamiliar with what, what Andrew Cuomo said about ventilators, he's been calling. He said, we need more, we need more, we need more. And then somebody discovered, hey, here's a stockpile of ventilators. And uh, President Trump was like, hey, they've got plenty of ventilators. Why are they asking for more? And Cuomo said, no, 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 no. That's not what I was saying. I, I, we do need more. Um, the reason we haven't, you know, there's we haven't put out these ventilators is because we're waiting for the apex to hit. We're waiting for it to, you know, in about 21 days, it should hit the apex of, of coronavirus uh, hospitalization, and that's when we're going to unleash all these ventilators. But we still need more. It was a, it was a bogus, bogus response to, um, to a gotcha question, and uh, and he failed miserably. He's, it was embarrassing for him. So, then um, don't even get me started with LA wanting to monitor your movements. <laughs> it's a mirror. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to go there because it will, it will make me get loud. That's how infuriating it is. Long story short, they want to track you, and see if you're being good citizen. You know, good Communist Party citizen. I'm sorry, good Los Angeles citizen who's not going where you're not supposed to go, and they're going to track you by your phones to make sure that, that you're not sneaking off to the gym or the beach or the you know, whatever. Uh, it's ridiculous. Last but not least. Glenn Beck, I don't know what it is about him that there's this odd, it's almost creepy how things that come to my mind, things that, uh, that I think and my concerns, um, he seems to echo them. He does such a better job than me at it too. It's kind of annoying. How <laughs> how he's able to to break it down um, better? You know, I guess his his years of experience on television and radio have, have enabled him to to see the things that I see, but see them better than than I do. Um, so be it. I don't mind as long as there's people out there who are seeing it. And what he's seeing this video, I recommend watching it. It's a nine minute video. I'm not going to play it now. Uh, you can play it yourself. But uh, big government using coronavirus pandemic to secure more dot dot dot. Uh, more what was it? More. But this virus is more control. Duh. Okay, yeah, he's trying to get. He's talking about how government is using the coronavirus to get more control. We happened to make a similar video just the other day, um, basically saying the same thing: defending freedoms and fighting off authoritarianism in a post-coronavirus America. Both videos strongly recommend watching them, um, getting an understanding of what's happening in America today and what we need to fight because. We're not just fighting against the coronavirus. We're not just fighting against economic turmoil. We're fighting against what happens when the dust settles and what's already happening today. As I've described this entire show, authoritarianism is the big, the big, uh, the long-term freedom killer that America doesn't need, that most Americans don't want, and that many politicians are imposing on us today as a result of the coronavirus and it's only going to get worse this is why we are forming the uh, the american conservative movement something that we've been talking about for a little while i've talked about it for over a year but it really took talking to, to mr jeff dornick 
at Gatekeepers Online um, and some other people about taking this now pushing forward. We've been we felt the need for it, but it wasn't until the coronavirus as a catalyst for us to say now's the time to spring into action. We're seeing what's happening. We're seeing what's going to happen. We have a, a very good idea of what can possibly take place, and we know that it's not going to be good. We know that we need to fight it. So we're coming up with ideas, um, ideas to to educate the people, to rally the people together in a way that, that empowers them to be able to fight what's going to come down, what's going to be popular. You know, keep in mind, this is the, the, the unfortunate part is that do I think that, that most Americans are conservatives and patriots? Yes, I do. And I can describe why, perhaps in a future show, why I believe this. But strange things like the coronavirus, like the economic collapse, like the fear and the uncertainty that is pervasive in America today, these are the types of things that can lead to even patriotic Americans asking for help, asking for too much help, perhaps becoming dependent on government to bail us out, to, to give us hope, to take more security, I'm sorry, to take more freedom in exchange for security. We want security, and unfortunately a lot of people are willing to give up freedom as a result. We need to stop that. Somebody has to, because it's they're not going to like... The, the, a lot of these people that are calling for for more control, more, uh, you know, calling on government to save us, they're not going to like the result, you know. Um, I don't want to fault them because it's understandable in these uncertain times to want that. But be careful what you wish for, especially when it comes to government. And I'm not talking about just Capitol Hill or the White House. I'm talking about governors. I'm talking about... City council members, mayors, state legislators, judges even. There are, there's going to be many, a multitude of pushes being made to take away our freedoms, to impose more government control, to quote-unquote help people by doing things that technically hurt them. Uh, yes, there's going, to be people that, there's going to be people who are starving, who are homeless. You know, there already are, there already were before the coronavirus. But there's going to be a great need for us to defend our freedoms and protect this American way of life that we've we've uh, participated in building. We're part of a of a nearly you know, quarter millennium experiment, and uh, that experiment could could after after so many years, decades, or two centuries of success, that experiment could crash and burn in a very short period of time as a result of the coronavirus. Not because of the it's going to kill millions of Americans, not because you know it's going to create an economic downturn that, uh, that we will never be able to recover from. No, no, no. The real killer is going to be what some consider to be the solution, which is putting more power in the hands of government and allowing government to have more control over our lives, allowing government to take care of us, because once government starts taking care of you, they want to take care of you forever. Okay? They don't want you to be just partially beholden. You know, yes, I, I know there's conservatives out there, you know, the old 
the old Reagan uh, concept of, of we just want to give you a leg up so you can get off of welfare. That's great. You know, and, and I know that a lot of Americans will, if they do accept help today for their business, for their jobs, for their, for their families, they do accept help today, they will gladly trade it back in. When the time comes when they can go back to work and, and be self-sustaining, self that's what makes America great. But a lot of people, perhaps millions, won't. They're not going to to jump up and down and, oh, yay, factories open. You know, Let's go back to work and stop getting the government check. We need, as an American conservative movement, to make sure that as many people as possible do escape from the, the bondage that they may or may not even be aware of of government dependency. We need to make sure that government, whatever rights they take from us today, that they give them back in time when the coronavirus is done. And if they try to take more, we have to be there to stop them. That's why uh, I'm very pleased. I, I'm hoping to, to eventually talk to, to Mr. Beck about this um, and many, many others, people like you. If you are interested in learning more we have a temporary site up there right now at AmericanConservativeMovement.com. Um, right now, when I say temporary site, it actually just points back to a page on Knockport. But uh, eventually, hopefully this week, we'll have a, a real website up. And um, once we get it up and get our social going and get everything situated and file our IRS tax paperwork and whatever, you know, we'll, we'll get everything up and running. And we, uh, we have some great ideas. I can't wait to talk to you about them. Um, and we're going to come up with more. So in the meantime, go to AmericanConservativeMovement.com. And uh, there's a little form at the bottom where you can fill out just to, just to get information. You're not pledging pledging to uh, your allegiance. You're not pledging to send us uh, $10,000 a week. That would be nice. Um, but, but no, it's just for more information for right now. And uh, when that information comes, we'll be happy to to to, uh, to discuss it more with you. In the meantime, stay frosty. It's getting kind of crazy out there with the coronavirus, and, uh, and we need to to be. It's the best way to put it. We need to be cognizant of what can happen, so that we can stop the bad from coming. And when I say we, I'm talking about we the people, okay? We can't rely on government to limit itself. We can't rely on politicians to hold back their, their power grab at a time when we're most vulnerable. It is going to have to come from Americans, from this movement, from the American conservative movement. And uh, we hope that you'll join us. This has been episode two of the Rucker Report. I am your humble host, J.D. Rucker, and uh, we will see you next time.